0: Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Strange on Purpose is a show hosted by misfits, entrepreneurs, and creatives. We interview some of the top minds on the planet, highlighting their stories, accomplishments, and deliver it to you in an actionable audio experience. This series is for the humans that don't mind going against the grain in order to achieve their goals, for the people that see the world differently and understand that there are lessons all around us. It's for the misfits. The Rebels, the go-getters, and the people that are growing on purpose. This week we had Angela Damiani, who's a CEO of New Walkie. If you're not familiar with them, they're a social architecture firm and really have just built a really, really um, incredibly engaged community community in the city of Milwaukee. And they do an incredible job here. So I'm super excited about this episode. And again, if you like what you hear, if you could leave us a review on iTunes, that would be rad. But I hope you love what you hear. I just want to thank you. I'm going to keep the energy low because it was dope um, for coming on the Stranger Purpose podcast. Um, literally like, I want to say like three, four years ago is when I worked for you. You guys are legit. You've been doing amazing things and you've built this incredible community that's just like intoxicating. Everybody wants to be a part of it. Everybody loves New Walkie. Can you talk a little bit about what it is and sure. why? you decided to start it.
1: Yeah. So the professional answer to what it is, is a social, I don't want the
0: professional answer. I want the, <laughs> with the U All
1: right. So <laughs> what we are experienced in is engagement. You know, what makes people move? How do they get connected? Um, and that wasn't how we started, how we started was there were a bunch of us who were young and new to adulthood and new to the city and curious about exploring. And we just started doing stuff, you know, hosting, I sent glorified meetups now that wasn't a term 10 years ago, but that's really what it was was calling out and saying, we're going to go meet up this bar and have happy hour. Or we're going to go do a river cleanup or we're going to go to a brewer's tailgate. I mean, there was no rhyme or reason to it. It was just like, Oh, the brewers are in season. Let's go to a tailgate. And it's, you know, it turned out there were other people who are like us that wanted to go do some stuff. And that is a strange thing now, given the context of social media. But if you can try to reel back and remember 10 years ago, um, I know Facebook was online, but it was just becoming something that the general public could use, not just for college students. Twitter had you know been born in 2008 but even that wasn't ubiquitously used. And so the fact that we could tweet something and not only would people respond, but they would show up was to use your word intoxicating. I mean, it just felt like, holy cow, this is amazing. And of course that's a thing now. Like that's how, you know, social media has changed how we communicate, how we operate our businesses. It's a paradigm shift. But at the time it was this like, it felt like a power that we had unearthed and we wanted to use it for good. Um, And we were obsessed with the city. And at the same time, we were sort of like finding our footing and figuring out like, okay, we're hosting these gatherings, but we don't want to charge anyone to go. And we have this like newsletter service, but we don't want to have everyone pay a membership. Um, How do we like... mm, figure out how to make money with this like yeah. terrible business model. <laughs> um, uh, we were, um, you know, wrapped up in this larger conversation around like what is Milwaukee going to be? Where's the next you know thing? What about all this young talent? I mean, that was also the dawn of the like millennial bashing that was happening. So there were plenty of employers who were saying like, it, we can't seem to get in front of this audience, you know but you seem to be able to connect with them can we find a way to work together and and that's where the idea of social architecture was born that it's actually not that complicated in terms of you know motivating people to do something you just have to consciously design the environment that shifts the social behavior of that population towards a goal or set of goals mm-hmm. and that has grown a bit. I mean, we don't do Brewers tailgates anymore, but we do host, you know, the small festival that is a night market with 15,000 people. So, um, some of the things that we started a long time ago, like young professional week have become national best practices. And we just, uh, are coming off of a week where the program was happening all over the country, as well as all over the state. So I'm excited about all of that. Um, but I'll be honest with you. Like when we reached our 10th anniversary in February, I had a moment of pause, like the reason we started is not the reason we're still doing it. Mm. And what I mean by that is I'm 10 years into this. My job has been to connect people to place. So personally, I have a wealth of information. I don't have the same volition I used to have, which was, I want to go clean the river on Saturday afternoon and make friends. You know, I'm in my thirties now. I have a young family. I have different objectives. And so the question was really internally for me, like, why am I still doing this? Is this still relevant? Meetup exists. There is a meetup for literally every single thing that exists. You know, do we still need to be hosting these gatherings? And, um, at the same time, I was sort of having I think some natural self doubt, but really it's just about like reassessing and figuring out what our new North star is. You know, where do we go after 10 years? Why do we continue? Um, There has been a huge national uh, conversation and international really um, around social isolation and how our um, paradigm of being super connected digitally has shifted everything that we know to be true, but has actually created a bunch of disconnection all the way across the board in terms of the like mental health sphere, as well as just, I mean, you can see it with our political divisiveness. Um, And it's such an issue that, I mean, there are countries who have like a new minister of loneliness now who are in charge of making sure that people don't feel that way. And while that wasn't our initial call to action 10 years ago, for me, it feels like a reason to keep going, you know, and that that's why I want to talk about what it means to be a beacon of belonging. Yeah. Um, and how do you get there? How do we set up our cities, both from an infrastructure, like um, perspective, as well as our companies, because everyone still spends eight to 10 hours a day at their company, giving their employees that sense of belonging that not only gives them the like, you know altruistic like sense of purpose, which is the thing that the you know next generation gets kind of like bagged on for, but also makes them more healthy productive engaged citizens um, and so that feels like a huge load to tackle and yeah. like where I'm you know focused where as we go forward you know in into the next ten years and beyond
0: no there's a lot there um before we dive into it I do want to go back what was that time frame like when mm-hmm. you were? Yo, like we're just a bunch of kids. It doing was parties. longer than you
1: think, yeah. honestly. So I don't even know that there was like an incorporated business for the first year and a half. Wow. It was literally just like, all right, let's collect some money because we need to buy tickets for something. Or we were outlaying our own cash or like beg, borrowing and like pleading yeah. for things for a really long time. And then after that first Urban Island Beach party, when we had... You know, we had thought maybe a couple hundred people would come based on what our socials were. And we had kind of built it as like, it's a social, but it's on a beach. You know, we had 3000 people show up. And so at that point I said, we got to do this for real or we got to stop. We can't be hosting pop-up raves like that's (laughs) that are surprised to us. You know what I mean? Um, At that point we got serious about like, you know, setting things up, but I would say we did not have steady cash stream or take a salary at least for another year and a half or two years. So it was at least four or five years in before it was like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I guess, legitimate in the, every sense of the word. Um, we, each had side hustles. Full time? Oh, we side were hustle. all working full time on it. I don't know if any of our prior employers don't want to hear that, but we were working <laughs> full time on it the whole time. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? We were doing it on top of stuff. And I had a company before this, that was doing, um, at marketing consulting for small businesses and so you know using that money to fund what we yeah. were
0: doing um 10 years it's a long time it is that's freaking incredible it is why why would you say that yours like new why why successful when so many others fail
1: i think we were young enough when we started that we didn't know what the stakes were mm. we were just that naive and you don't do what we're doing, you know, unceasingly, unless you're really passionate about it.
0: Oh, really naive.
1: And then, you know, there were a couple moments where like we ran out of cash and we could have been like, OK, that was a good run. And we didn't. We just kept going and figured it out. Um, I don't know. We're sadomasochistic. I don't know where the answer is. (laughs) Like, yeah, we just kept going. And, and, you know, this is the type of town where if you just keep showing up, eventually people see you as like, um, you know, a part of, you know, you're legitimated simply by being present. Um, and we were insistent on like, you know, elbowing our way to the table.
0: Was there trying to find a way to frame this question, but, um, As like you're continuously growing, right? Like you're actually making real money now. You're not just kids and people in the city are taking you seriously. Did your events grow with that as well? When uh, maybe power players in the city did start taking you seriously? Did Um, it change on that end?
1: They've changed in a variety of ways. Uh, The first is that they're diversified. Mm. So we have programs that because some people have grown up with us, right? There are still like, even though we don't have a membership model, they're still like OG New who now have two or three kids, yeah. you know what I mean? And so like the night market is a place for them to still like bounce into and to push a stroller around. And it's totally awesome, you know, or, um, at the same time we have to keep something like the down under disco, which is a party under a bridge just for a party's sake for that, like, you know, 18 plus crowd in the summer where there's nothing else to do. Yeah. You know, there's nothing that's like an that's fun. You know what I mean? It feels like something you're like in the scene with. Yeah. And so that and so while some things have grown in size, I've been really insistent on having programming that is still small in scale. So we still offer things like the Art Bus or our Milwaukee tour for Milwaukeeans, which are capped at 35 people, because I just think that like. And that's, that's purely from my perspective, being like an extreme introvert, like Mm. you don't make your best friend at a 15,000 person event. Right. But you will, if you've been like sitting on a school bus, like bouncing around for two hours, exploring something new together. And so I think it's important to have the variety. Um, and the sponsors have come along with us in a long ways. I mean, sometimes they help us, um, take up issues, you know what I mean? So like whatever's happening in the city, they usually are involved in some way. And so it's a way for us to approach topics we think are important. Um, once in a while we get, you know, ones that just want to be a part of something cool. And that means there's extra budget to do cool stuff. But yeah. more often than not, you know, it's a, it's always a balancing act with sponsors because they see the like allure and the like sparkly magic, and they want to be a part of it. But like just having a booth and a banner is not going to get them what they want. And the um, finding the right way to fit a major corporation into something that feels authentic and real. Um, that has integrity on both sides mm. of that engagement is the or that's our work. That's how we get paid, right? To be the thought leaders in that space and to find meaningful ways for that to happen, so that the guests aren't walking along and being like, "What is this?" You know, um, and vice versa, that the sponsors aren't feeling like, "Well, nobody came to my table." Yeah. You know,
0: what did that progression look like? Again, I keep, I keep going back to it, but again, like kids to, and then finally having that clearly identified niche. This is what we do. This is what we specialize in. What did that progression look like? And maybe like,
1: going a lot what was of, going like, in your spaghetti mind? spaghetti on the wall, honestly, yeah. like, and, and I'll be honest, the, the beginning was less, um, client driven, hmm. you know, now I always say we have to have at least 15% of what we're doing every year. be um, it's like our R and D and we're testing or beta testing things to see. And usually we stack things like that inside of YP week um, or in our partnership with startup week um, in the fall, because there's a built-in audience. So we can really see like, okay, does this have legs? Does this format work? Let's try it before anyone's paying us to do it. You know what I mean? Um, And then we know exactly what we're selling, like what the demo of the audience looks like and things like that. Um, But it was just a lot of us saying, wouldn't it be cool if we did something under this bridge, you know what I mean? And our interest in the city and uncovering, you know, hidden gems, but also things that were hidden in plain sight, like West Wisconsin Avenue, you know, the infrastructure of that street, even with the vacancy is unlike any other part of the city. And we could see that well before, I mean, even when people were saying to us, like, there's no way in hell anyone's going to come down here on a weeknight Mm -hmm. with their families to have a shopping experience. There's been no shopping on West Wisconsin Avenue for 30 years. It was like, well, but what if we could do it? You know what I mean? Like, what if we could, why not try it? What is it going to hurt? And I think that's, that's been, um, the through line with all of it is us just asking ourselves like, well, why don't we try it and see what happens? And, I guess not being so driven by money. We've definitely yeah. like sunk money into stuff because we thought it would be cool. Um, and because it was something we wanted to gift back to the community for a lot longer than maybe, maybe we should have been smarter <laughs> about that, but
0: yeah, but you're learning and you're growing,
1: but I don't feel like I wasted a day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the whole thing has been a learning process. And to your point about the evolution, like suddenly at some point, um, I don't know. I woke up and I realized, like, I knew what I was talking about. I wasn't just pitching a client that they should be a part of this thing that was really cool or trying to sell them something. I actually knew the answer as they as they were asking the question about, well, what could we do about this yeah. challenge? I knew the answer. And that, I think, is just, you know, you put it in your 10,000 hours and you are an expert in it. Yeah, You know, you know what is going to work and what's not going to work even before it comes to life,
0: you just have a sense about it. How would you say you've evolved as an entrepreneur since you first started?
1: Um, I feel more generative now than I ever have. Um, Milwaukee is my third business last year. We bought a company called nuance, Mm. um, co-founded it with Amanda daring, who has a wealth of experience in the talent space. And, um, You know, she has some ideas about how the talent acquisition in the HR space is broken and she Mm -hmm. thinks it needs to be more experiential and we're experts in experience. So it made sense to be partners on this. Um, And I don't know, maybe she's nervous. It's been going really well. Like, I feel (laughs) like honestly, like it gets easier and easier as you go and we're about to write an offer on a building um, and start a brand new ecosystem on the near south side. And that feels like a green light, too. Like, I think it just gets As an entrepreneur, it gets easier and easier to tolerate risk Mm. over time and to realize that like, I mean, even with the money we had to invest in nuance, I said to Jer, like my business partner, um, I think we spent more money on that stupid ice bar a couple years ago. Than we did on this. And I feel like this is going to be a way better bet. (laughs) Like if even if it doesn't work out, like I know we've spent more money on stupider shit. So like, let's just go for it and see what happens. And so far it's paid off.
0: That's legit. Yeah. What about as a leader, like, especially like since you're so community driven, like how do you decide and how do you know that the people you're bringing on are the right people to help foster that community that you're building? Mm.
1: Yeah, we have a very specific um group of people. They have a very specific they, they all have different skills in terms of what they contribute. Um but they have the same uh innate skill set in that they have the ability to see a 30,000 foot vision mm. and the 3 foot tactic that goes along with like inching it forward and finding individuals who can oscillate between those two because that's a big stretch. It's a big stretch emotionally to like see the the big picture and then also not get stuck in the weeds of like, but literally how are we going to move this dumpster or whatever it is, you yeah. know? Um, and that I think has been why we've been so successful. I mean, we're a really lean team. There's only five people full time and then two part-time people. And we produce almost 200 events a year. I mean, mm. it's, it's because they're really good,
0: yeah. like, really, really good at what they do. Does it ever get like overwhelming, not necessarily like running the company, but being the face of a community, constantly interacting, Um, engaging?
1: I think of that as a blessing Mm. and a really, um, important responsibility, not overwhelming at all. I have to be thoughtful because of this city has a, um, the ability to have like tokenism be the thing. And because for a while, and I know it won't last long, my like time is going to move past me. But for a while I've been the young person, mm. I've been the woman and I've been the startup person in the rooms that I've been invited into. Right. So I take three boxes, like they go, yeah. you know, then only invite one person versus three. Um, at least for the young thing, that won't last forever. <laughs> um, but I, you know, when I was younger, I had some like frustration about that. Like, why am I the only person here? Where the hell is everyone else? You know what I mean? Um, but now I feel like, okay, I'm here and there's a responsibility for using my voice and speaking up when I'm supposed to and representing a population of people who are not invited into this space. Um, and I also have learned in my thirties to like, I don't care if I have messy hair and no makeup on at the grocery store. And I see someone like, you know, this morning I was at yoga and two of my clients were in the thing, you know, like yeah. if I don't feel like engaging about the contract or whatever, yeah. it's six 15 in the morning. Like I give myself permission to just be like, I'm going to be at yoga class. This is my yoga class too. You know, and that's, it's just small, that's small walkie, you know, yeah. that's going to happen.
0: I like that. Um, what were some tangible steps, maybe what are some tangible steps that you would advise others to take in order to build their own community, a healthy Um, community?
1: So I think, you know, there's a lot of lip service paid to inclusion and that's fine. But what that means for me is really meaningful invitation. Mm. And so it's not okay to say, Well, the event was on the internet. It was on Facebook. It was on our website and it was free and open to the public. I can't help that so-and-so didn't show up. People can see in the way that things are designed in the way that they're communicated in who's going to be the one that's presenting content in where it's located in the city, um, whether or not they are welcome. Mm. You know what I mean? They can see through all of that, whether or not they're doing it consciously and say, that's for me or that isn't. And there are times when we're very thoughtful about, um, you know, trying to tap into a certain audience. And so there's a reason why something looks and feels the way it does. But if you want to build a community, you have to be thinking about that all the time. And it's, it is unceasing. You don't get to take a break because as soon as you feel like, okay, I'm doing all the right things, there's somebody else who's going to say, oh but i didn't feel like it was for me and it's okay for you to say like okay this program is really meant to be for young women who are you know exploring their early leadership journey but then know that like you're going to start down a path and you're going to be known in that way f- for that period of time um and to i think as the organizer it's your responsibility to be conscious of all of those elements um and you can't just sort of rest back and be like well Anyone could have come. Yeah, you know that. Especially in this city, it won't happen.
0: Yeah, agreed. It just won't. Do you think it's necessary to niche down?
1: No, I mean we do so much random stuff, and the yeah. people find it. You know what I mean? The people who want it will find it. Um, but I also think that we've been really, really thoughtful about you know it not always being the Milwaukee show. You know, if we know that we're going to need an extra lift or that the invitation can't come from us. We have enough humility uh, to say, okay, it needs to come through this other partner or this other channel. And, and to know that you can't just tack partners on at the last minute with like a slate of logos. Like you have to actually be thoughtful in the co-creation of that yeah. experience so that it feels like it's coming from both voices. I think a lot of people feel like, oh, you know, can I just say it's a part of Milwaukee and then people will come and I'll tell you what, it doesn't work. Like I've incredible. seen it not work.
0: Yeah, yeah, I dig that. Um, for us, like community is everything, like everything. We would not be a company. We would not have this office. We'd probably be dead if we did not focus on that community aspect. What would you say are some ways that you've kept your community engaged over that 10 year period?
1: I think the one of the primary ways is to think about stage and not age, mm-hmm. right? Because the 28 year old can that. be single. A 20 year old can be married, a 28 year old can be, um, married with kids, Twenty-eight year old can be divorced with kids and they're all 28. And so Mm -hmm. people say like, Oh, I want that coveted like 25 to 35. You know what I mean? Like, like there's this broad brush that every young person on the planet wants the same things. And, um, you have to understand that and recognize that not everyone's gonna come, and that's okay, right? Like you don't have to have everything you do be for everybody. Um, but that, I think is a major component of that people forget. You know, they think like young people, done. We'll just stick the word young on it and people will come. People will <laughs> buy tickets to this play because because young people will really like it. Like what about that is compelling? Yeah. You know what I mean Or moving to someone.
0: I see, I, I hear something that you're not saying there, which is story. Um, is that something you ever pay attention to? Like Story? Is, yes.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Constantly. Constantly. In what and ways? Then, I mean, it, even in the way that something is designed graphically, you know mm. what I mean? Obviously, any you need know, the content that's rolled out around it, but all of that is thought about. Even like, you know, the experience itself, are there going to be chairs or no chairs? Are we going to have tables? You know what I mean? Like, because people will... I'll tell you this, people will sit if there's a chair, it doesn't matter. And you will not, even if you had planned for this, like really awesome, like engaging interactive thing, they won't, they'll just sit the moment they have a chair. You know what I mean? And so to be, and that's fine if you want it to be a seated thing in an auditorium. But if you were hoping for this like mix up or to have people interact with one another, yeah. don't have chairs. That's why most of our events don't have chairs, actually, because we're hoping to have people actually like find one another in ways that they wouldn't if they pick a seat and then they maybe turn to the person to their left or right and introduce themselves.
0: I like that a lot. And just something a lot of people neglect, and don't think about. What would you say is a, before I dive into you, what would you say is probably the most, the coolest experience you've had thus far? The coolest person you've met? Oh, don't do that to me, Q. I'm doing it too.
1: It's like too hard. It's too hard. There's so many. And I just feel like so blessed to have been, you know, a steward to this decade of experience. I, I don't have a specific like person, but I will tell you this at the anniversary, I was of two minds about it. Part of part of me felt like we should just invite our core partners and our um you know because before we had staff we had volunteers that like mm-hmm. helped us get everything off the ground. So we would invite the volunteers and we should invite our obviously our clients and say thank you and we should be private and intimate. And it should be like this really thoughtful thing and I got persuaded into having That part happened. And then to have this open forum. And I honestly thought like, no one is going to want to come to this. Like, why does anyone care about Milwaukee's 10th anniversary? This is not a big deal. I mean, you were there. It was like wall to wall people. And what I wasn't expecting was in that second half of the evening, how many people came up to me and told me like, you know, I found my dream job. I met my wife. I started a business. I whatever. Like, New altered the trajectory of my life um, in perpetuity. And I I was not. I was so emotional. The next morning, when we woke up on Saturday. I said to my husband, I'm like, I feel more, like, emotional than I did the day after our wedding. You know what I mean? Because everyone <laughs> says so many beautiful things to you. Like, the nicest things they'll ever say to you. They say to yeah. you on your wedding. And I was like, it's more. Like, this is way more more because you know you don't even understand the ripple effects you have Mm. you know and that's what all we're doing is making waves and helping people like find the connection but at we're just the catalyst after they've connected they go off and have a whole different life as a result of that and um i don't take that for for granted for one second but having it told to me by so many people i didn't know was a beautiful like glorious experience
0: that's incredible it is. And it was awesome. Awesome event. Yeah. And literally like 10 years, like I can't even imagine. I, I don't think how
1: many years you guys,
0: we're not even technically we've been working on it for a year, but yeah. it's been like eight months legally. Nice. We're moving fast. Um, a lot of growth, a lot of growing pains, but 10 years.
1: Oh man. <laughs> you? It, yeah. you know, it doesn't even feel like it. Yeah, It feels like we just woke up when we were here.
0: It, see, the same for me. Like even like, Again, it's been a year like unofficially, like it feels like two days sometimes. Sometimes it feels like 10 years, but two days other times it's, it's I think ridiculous.
1: that's why I said YPB can be so emotional for me because it was the eighth one. And I was like, that's I crazy. have done this eight times. Oh my God. I can't <laughs> believe I've been here eight times. This is nuts.
0: It's insane. Yeah, It's insane how fast it moves and how fast we grow without actually like realizing it. Mm-hmm. Talk yeah. to me about the bad. Like
1: the bad, the
0: bad, the ugly.
1: (laughs) Um, So I will tell you this, being in startup mode like you are now is a very different energy than being in small business mode. Mm. And somewhere along the way, we switched because we had a list of services. We had a book of clients. We had staff that had been on for a couple of years and we were just, you know, running business. And, you know, we would call and people would pick up the phone. You know what I mean? There's just, you don't, you lose the hustle. Mm. Um, And in some ways, um, you know, starting Nuance, I don't have the same energy. Like I don't have the same angst that you probably feel. But keeping a ship afloat has its own anxiety. Because now people, I mean, one of our staff has worked with us for six years. I mean, she worked there. She literally works, has worked for Milwaukee longer than Ian ever did, you know? And so, like, there's a responsibility with that, you know? Some of our staff is married now, so, like, they have families of their own. This is a a life-sustaining job for them. And so, you know, whereas I think in the first couple years, you would toil with the idea of, like, you know, I'm just not going to do this anymore. I'm going to quit. I can't throw in the towel. Like now it's like, that's not a thought you can have, you know, not only do I like have to keep care take care of my family and Jeremy's family. And we have this whole staff, people who depend on us. And quite frankly, like we've created a few cultural institutions, in my opinion, that the city really needs more than ever, you know, like the night market, night market still needs to be a thing. It needs to be the centerpiece of the DNC convention next year, you know, to show off, how we have come together as a community and the pressure of that can be, I mean, I still lay awake at night. That's not, you know, even 10 years in, I still, you know, will wake up at three in the morning and be like, Oh God. All right.
0: How do you deal with all that?
1: Um, lately I've been toying with the idea that like, it's always worked out. So why would I second guess anything? Like it's just been like a mental question. Mm. Um, uh, at my brother-in-law's, uh, funeral on Saturday, one of his directors got up and gave the most beautiful eulogy. And he said that Joe would always end the, um, you know, when they were like arguing about budget or scope or, you know, cause he was a big visionary and he had a team of people who would have to materialize and inevitably have questions about like how, and he would always sort of push back and be like, okay, I know you're saying no, but what if we could? And so that has been in my mind, Like, why not have that be my own ethos? Why don't I have that be like lives on and gives Joe his legacy, you know, in my own world and the way that I can touch and move people? What if we could? Why not just hold that? I mean, doesn't Milwaukee still need that? There's still so like much. I don't know, like parochial small town mindset here. Like we still need lamplighters who are going to just say, I know it's never been done. I know that somebody tried and it didn't work but what if we could and that I think will be how we get through. But I also feel like this far in I'm open to what's next too. I mean, who knows where we'll be? Like, I don't need it to be anything. I want it to be everything, but I don't need it to be anything. And that kind of um, separation you know, for a long time, New Walk- there was no difference between Milwaukee and Angela. It was the same. It was me. And over time, I've learned that there is a point at which Milwaukee ends and Angela begins. And to play with that line and to allow there to be space there and to not take every single thing so personally helps you get through the hard stuff because you realize, like, this isn't a personal attack we in a front, right? It's this too shall pass, whatever it is.
0: It's beautiful. That is. Um, before I let you go, because I don't want to take too much of your time. This is a strange on purpose podcast. Mm-hmm. So what about you? A um, strange on purpose. What makes you misfit? What about you goes against the green?
1: Um, I probably speak up too much. I mean, I have a lot of opinions. Which I know, which I know coming from a young woman is confronting in certain arenas that I'm allowed to be in Um, that. And I just feel like. I'm not afraid. You know, I have worries and I have questions like, oh, how are we going to get through this? But I'm not afraid to try and you know, you get to your point about just being in your first year, you get to a point where Jeremy and I joke about this all the time. Um, like, you can't imagine anything else. You know, like if I had to go, well, first of all, make a resume, like I don't even know what I would, what would I put on it? What do I, <laughs> how do I like surmise? I mean, because really, like, I had a little sales job right out of college and then I started that first company and then New took off. So I've never done anything else. I don't, I think I'm completely unmanageable and and probably unemployable, you know what I mean? Like there's no way I could sit in a like corporation and be told what my like scope of work is and I wouldn't completely like step out of the line. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um. So I, I don't know, I guess I don't fit anywhere is when I'm on this thing. I have to, that's that's the real reason we have to keep going. Same, (laughs) same.
0: That's really cool. Uh, (laughs) Lastly, like what advice would you give to somebody or what's, what do you want to leave the audience with? If you could put one thing on a billboard, what would that be?
1: I would just say if there's something you, you know, has been aching at your heart or there's something that you wish you could do, or there's someone that you admire because of what they're doing Just ask yourself why you're waiting to get to that point. Because I'll tell you this, the net is never going to form. You always have to jump first. There's never going to be the perfect moment for you to feel like, okay, everything, all the ducks in a row, now's the time to strike. There's always going to be risk involved. And so you shouldn't waste any of your life not doing something you love, like really, really love. And to just go for it right this minute, even if it means you're a misfit, like who cares? And you guys have proven like there are people who come out of the woodwork and be like, yes, you're right. I also feel that way. Thank you for keeping this going. You're inspiring me to move on. And so not only for your own life, but to think about the ripple effect of you doing exactly what you want to be doing in this moment will affect your family and your friends and the whole community in ways that you won't even be able to account for if you're able to get in alignment with that and then move forward with it.
0: That's beautiful. You're the best.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming. Yeah.
0: And where can people find you?
1: Uh, they can find me personally. At, um, I don't <laughs> even know my Instagram handle. I don't know. I'm on the internet. I guess go to Milwaukee.com. You can find me there. We'll
0: put all the info in the show notes.
1: Okay, perfect. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Appreciate you.
1: Awesome. <laughs>